Luke chapter 15 again, verse 24. services about this little collection of parables that Jesus tells about lost things. Um, they're all in Luke chapter 15. So we're going to read verse 24. That's um, our main text, I guess. Um, so Luke 15 and 24, it says, For this, my son, was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Amen. Let's, those papers are loud. Let's pray um, again before we get into this um, message today. I know everyone knows where it's going. Let's just pray that God would speak to hearts uh, today and uh, the movement in our lives. Jesus. God, we thank you for your presence that's here. Jesus, you are worthy. You are incredible. God, you are wonderful, Jesus. I pray that you would speak to us, God, through your word. In Jesus' name, God, I pray that you would call uh, to our hearts today and we would hear and respond. In Jesus' name, let your will be done, I pray. God, let there be restoration in your house today. In the name of Jesus, God, let your will be done, I pray, above all else. In Jesus' name. times you clean them, they're always dirty, right? Yeah. <laughs> These lights, reflections everywhere. Anyways, this is one of the most popular stories that Jesus told, I would say, if you had to list. This is like the Good Samaritan. They're like the ones that people that don't know anything about the Bible know about. And um, it's one of the most preached from stories I've heard it dozens of times myself. Uh, it's referenced often, even if the message isn't even about it, people will bring it up. It's one of those stories. We're all familiar with it. It's like David and Goliath, right? We all know those ones. Um, I listened to my friend in Toronto area preach online last week, and he mentioned it. It's one of those stories they know off by heart, but that doesn't make it any less powerful. It doesn't make it any less um, awesome. And... It's a lot longer than the previous two stories that we've talked about, about especially longer than the woman in the coins. She only had a couple, three verses, and uh, it's a lot more detailed than the story about the shepherd and the sheep. And this is the main story, if you will, of the three. Um, this is the, the hammer that hits the whole thing home. Um, the first story appeals to the men and, and the boys of the audience, the Second appeals to the ladies and the girls, and, and this one's just everyone. Everyone's been part of a family. Everyone's been a child. Do we want to admit it or not? We've all been part of a, a family, and so this one, it just relates to everyone. And um, I don't know if I'll preach the second part of it Wednesday or just forget about it. I don't know. There's two sons. There's a lost son and the other son. I preached about the other son before. Um, we're going to talk about the lost son today. And we call him the prodigal son. 
And that's not a word that's in the Bible. It's one of those words that we use. And I was going to try to preach it without using that word. It's one of those words we've taken and ran with. The word prodigal means spending money or resources freely and recklessly, wastefully extravagant. So that's what that means. If, I know we use it differently. <laughs> to us, it's just someone that doesn't go to church anymore. But that's what the word really means. Um, but again, to put this all in perspective, Jesus has been accused by the scribes and the Pharisees for receiving and welcoming and eating with tax collectors and sinners, right? So he's telling these stories to show these disgruntled, these murmuring, self-righteous folks that these sinners and these publicans are valuable to him. That's the whole point of these stories. So Romans 5 and 8 says, But God commendeth his love toward us that yet, sorry, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't die for the righteous, but for sinners. This is the whole reason why he came. And this is what he's trying to explain to these people. So let's get into the story. Verse 11, it says, And he said, A certain man had two sons. That's not me. Well, the beginning of this story would immediately catch the attention of his listeners if they weren't already listening, which they were. But just in case they had dozed off, this would catch their attention. There's a few stories in the Old Testament, in the history of the Jewish people, a few stories they'd be quite familiar with about um, a man with two sons. We've got Cain and Abel. We've got Ishmael and Isaac. Esau and Jacob. And in all three of these stories, the ones that they would be quite familiar with, the older son is the foolish and the unrighteous one. The older son, you know, Cain's a murderer. Ishmael, he wasn't the promised one. Esau was foolish and didn't respect a lot of things and sold his birthright and all of that. And so he starts off and he says, there was a, a man who had, a certain man had two sons and they're probably thinking, aha, I know how this is going. The younger son's going to be great. The older son's going to do something foolish. We know how this is going. Verse 12, he says, And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. And he divided unto them his living. But in this story, the younger son's the foolish one. So right off the bat, Jesus has caught their attention. He's um, changed the narrative, if you will. He's not done yet. We'll see. He's going to change it again. Another time. But the younger son says, Dad, I want my inheritance now. I don't want to wait any longer. We've probably heard it said that he's basically saying to his father, I, I wish you were no longer here or whatever. But according to Jewish scholars, there's no record of that sort of thinking here. He just wants his stuff now. The son just wants his stuff now. He is impatient. Anyone else impatient? Impatience. Oh, Impatience is not a virtue. Problems are, start arising as soon as we start living for now. I want this now. Live for the moment is one of those philosophies that's thrown around in our society today. It's not the best. I get what they mean. You know, don't put things off, but... But when we make decisions based on what feels good in the moment, what feels good right now, 
Trouble will come because what feels good right now isn't necessarily what's the right thing to do right now. And what you want right now has consequences later. The son wasn't mature enough to handle the inheritance now. He wasn't wise enough now. He couldn't handle it now. When we make decisions based on now and what I want and what, you know, how I feel, we're going to find ourselves in some messy situations. Give me this now. I don't want to wait. That's what he says to his father. How many times have we demanded things and tried to work things out on our own and we rushed into something or um, we forced our way into something and we didn't listen to God or we didn't listen to pastors or parents or voices of reason in our lives or people with wisdom or anything like that. We just kind of went ahead with it because I want this now and nothing's going to get in my way. Has anyone ever done that? Made poor decisions? Uh, we always blame it on youth. As a young person, I mean, but we still do it. Don't pretend you haven't made a bad decision in the last 20 years. Come on. We all, we do it. That's what we do. This is what the son, that's what he was doing. And how often does that rushed decision, that without praying, that thing that we just decide we're going to, how often does that end in heartbreak? How, how often does it end with us far from God, broken and lost and hurt and alone because we wanted something now? Instead of waiting for the Father to give it to us when we are ready to receive it. We rush into relationships. We push open doors. Our whole, if our whole life is based on now, eventually it's going to catch up to us. Decisions we make now will affect tomorrow, later. Dad, I want my stuff now. Okay then. Here you go. It was rightfully the son. The inheritance belonged to the son. The father was keeping it until the son was ready. It was rightfully the son's. He could take it. He could make that decision. But notice the father doesn't stop the son from making this choice. And the son doesn't ask the father for his advice either. He doesn't ask his will. He doesn't ask what he thinks. He just makes this decision, it seems, in haste. We can be like the son. We can make dumb choices without ever asking our father what he thinks. And your life is your life. That's fine. You're going to decide what you want to do with it. But if you're not going to ask the father, if you're not going to ask Jesus for his guidance, odds are you're going to make some wrong choices. Especially when it's based on now and what I want now. And God isn't going to stop you. And that's the thing. It's your choice. He's given his word. He's there to pray to. And he's there to talk to. But if we don't do it. And then that choice has been made. Every choice has a consequence. And the danger comes when we don't ask the father. What he thinks we should do. If we don't go to his word. We don't go to prayer. We make these rash decisions. Based on how I'm feeling at the moment. Oh boy. We can't get upset with God when you haven't consulted Him in the first place. We fall into sin. We fall away. We get lost when we stop asking the Father what He thinks, when we stop praying, when we stop listening to Jesus, when we start focusing on what I want now. That's when we get into the problems that we find ourselves in. 
And this is where the whole story changes. Again, verse 13 to 14. And not many days after the younger son had gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his abundant or substance with riotous living. When he had spent it all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Not many days, it says, after he got his stuff, he left the father's house. It doesn't take long for us to leave the father's house. It starts when we stop listening. It starts when we stop caring about what Jesus says. And it's not long afterwards that we find ourselves far away from him. It doesn't take very long. Once we start living for the moment, once we start living for now, my wants, my desires, what I think now, then we start, we stop listening to Jesus' voice. It's not long before we find ourselves in a faraway place and we are gone. It happens quickly and that's why it is important to be faithful. That's why it's important to pray on a regular basis and to read his word and to listen to his voice to put our hope in him. And the future in heaven and these things. The son went to a far country, about as far away as he could get from the father's house. And he wasted everything. And he squandered everything. Every blessing he'd received, everything he'd been given from the father, he wasted. And it was probably fun for a while. But the now decisions that he made caught up to him. The choices he made had consequences. And when he had spent it all, he began to be in want. And everything caught up with him as it often does. And he found himself completely spent. He found himself completely empty, wasted, in, in want. He, he hit rock bottom, if you will. And it wasn't until he was there that things started to change. And how many times have we been like this son? Taking everything that God's given us, every blessing that God has given us and just thrown it away. Our family, we've wasted our, our job, our health, friendships, even Jesus himself and thrown it away for something now that feels good right now, that sounds good right now in the moment. Marriages are destroyed because of a decision in a moment. I want satisfaction now and things are, are ruined and jobs are lost because of a decision we make right now and how, you know, health is ruined because of substances we put in our body because it sounded good and it felt good at the time and friendships are destroyed because of choices made and things done and relationships are destroyed because of things done in a moment because it sounded good and it felt good and that's what I want right now. And God's given us all these things and we just kind of thrown it away because of something right now. A walk with God shattered because something else looked interesting or intriguing. Because sin looked fun and anointings and callings and gifts thrown away. Because we were so short-sighted we made foolish decisions and threw them away for a moment of satisfaction. For a moment that son felt like he was king of the world. For a moment, he had everything. For a moment, everyone wanted to be around him. And everyone wanted a part of what was taking place. For a moment, he was on top and he had everything. But as it often does, that all came crashing down. And it wasn't until he hit rock bottom that things changed. 
When everything was gone, the story changes. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe decisions have caught up with us. And we find ourselves far away from the Father's house. Maybe choices we've made have caused us to be separated from Jesus. Maybe the decisions in the moment have taken us away. And we don't want to admit it. But there we are. He never planned for this to happen. He didn't go out expecting to end up where he ended up. Nobody plans to fall as far as they do. He never planned for this to happen. He didn't set out to be lost. He didn't go out every way to lose the inheritance. But, you know, the son didn't plan for this to happen, but it did. And all that sin and all the decisions caught up with him as it does. And if that's you today, I have good news for you. You're in the right place. Rock bottom is a good place to be. Some people never hit rock bottom. Some people never get there. Some people never get the chance to turn around. But if you're here today, you can. You have a choice today. Amen. Some people waste everything. And while they're wasting it, everything comes to an end. And they don't actually get to that place where they realize that uh, I've, I've wandered away and I need to go home. But if you're here today, you're not there. You have a choice today. You can come home. Not every son who runs away comes home. But you can make that choice today. When you are lost, when you are wandering, the best place you can get is rock bottom. Because at rock bottom, that's where things start to change. When everything is taken, when everything else is gone, when everything is lost, that's when Jesus can rebuild. And that's when Jesus can restore. And that's when he can redeem and deliver and come in and make new. Verse 15 to 16. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And sent him into his, he sent him into his fields to feed the swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. And no man gave unto him. This guy hit rock bottom so hard. He found himself in a pig pen wanting to eat what the pigs were eating. That is bad. <laughs> no one looks at slop and says, hmm, wish I could have some of that. Unless you're feeding them good stuff. Like corn. Like corn. Julia says. That's a bad place to be. That's how bad he, he was. Or his situation was. Verse 17 says, And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. This is where it changes. He's hit rock bottom. He is where none of us have been, I don't think. Living in a pig pen, wishing I could eat what the pig had. And that's it. Just so hungry, I could, I could just... Mm. I will bowl this slop and I will be satisfied. And the change is here. It says, when he came to himself, something happens inside of him. Something triggers something in his brain at rock bottom. There's no other distractions. There's nothing else taking his attention. His friends are gone. His money's all gone. It's just him and some nasty old pigs. 
And he came to himself. When we hit rock bottom and all the distractions are gone. This is what I mean about it being a good thing. All the distractions are gone. All the other voices are gone. And all the other stuff is gone. That's when change happens. And he came to himself. He remembered there was a fog that lifted off of his eyes. All of a sudden he remembered what it was like at his father's house. The haze was gone. He starts sobering up, if you will. He comes to himself. He remembers he remembers his father's house. He remembers the food. He remembers the blessings. He remembers what it was like in the presence of his father. But it's not until everything else is gone. It's not until all the other distractions are gone. All the other things. And all you're left with is the memories. And that's why rock bottom can be a good place. Because everything else has been taken away. And everything else is gone. And we can remember the father's house. Remember his presence. Remember the altar. Remember receiving his spirit and being baptized in his name. Remember his calling. Remember his anointing. Remember the Father's house. And if you are that son today, remember, ignore all the other things. If you're praying for the lost son today, pray that they remember. Pray that they come to themselves. Pray that everything else gets taken away. I know that sounds harsh, but when everything else is taken away and all they have left is a memory, that's when it starts. Every distraction taken away. Every vice, every voice taken away. Remember the Father's house. Verse 17 to 19. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and despair, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. He said, I have sinned. The story changes when he repents. I've been preaching repentance all year long, and you're probably sick of hearing about it. But things change when we repent. John the Baptist had one message, and that was it, and he preached it everywhere. So forgive me. Repent. <laughs> Nothing will ever change unless we repent. Hitting rock bottom is just hitting rock bottom unless... We repent. We will stay in the pig pen unless we repent. We will stay out of the Father's house unless we repent and we turn back to Jesus. Repentance starts the process. Repentance turns us back to the Father. Repentance makes the difference. Turn back and come home. If you are still breathing, it's not too late. If you're still here, it's not too late. It doesn't matter how far you've gone. It doesn't matter how much you failed. It doesn't matter how much you messed up or where you find yourself. It doesn't matter what has been wasted. It doesn't matter what you've done, what sin you find yourself in, what mess you find yourself in. This was a Jewish boy in a pig pen. Pigs were unclean and he wanted to eat what they had. That's how bad it was. You couldn't get any worse. It doesn't matter. It is not too late. All we need to do is repent. 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 Turn back to Jesus. Ask for forgiveness. That's all it takes. And if you've never done it, you can do it today. The Father is waiting. 
Verse 20. I'm a little passionate today. Forgive me. Verse 20. And he arose and came to his father. And when he was yet a great way off, the father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. He repented. And this boy started making his way home. And here again, Jesus flips the script, the narrative. I'm going to read you a law in Deuteronomy 21, 18 to 21. And then I'm going to read in the New International Version, the NIV. It makes it a little clearer. It says, if someone has a stubborn and rebellious son who does not obey his father and mother and will not listen to them when they discipline him, his father and mother shall take hold of him and bring him to the elders at the gate of his town. He shall say to the others, this son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey us. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of his town are to stone him to death. You must purge the evil from among you. All of Israel will hear it and be afraid. He's talking to the Pharisees and the scribes, remember. They know the law. They thought they knew how this story was going to end. They know there are consequences for what this guy did. They're the ones pointing out that Jesus is receiving and eating with sinners. The son, he was rebellious. He, he ran away. He took the inheritance and he blew. And the law says that he should die. A glutton and a drunkard. He wasted his inheritance on these very things. So riotous living is. And when he got into town, the men of that town, they were supposed to pick up stones and they were supposed to stone him and end this boy's life. There should be judgment. This guy had brought dishonor and shame on his family. The law says that he should be punished. But when the father saw him, he had compassion and he ran and he fell on his neck. Why? To protect him. The men of the town were going to kill his boy. He was rebellious. He was a drunkard. He wasted everything. When the father ran and fell on his neck to protect him, this is my son. Don't touch him. Don't hurt him. He's coming home. This is my boy. This is my girl. Don't you say anything. Don't you lift a hand. Don't you pick up that stone. Don't you say anything about them. That is my child. And I love them. And they're coming home with me today. father threw himself between the son and the law. He threw himself between the son and judgment. He risked his life. He put himself on the line to save his son to bring that son home. Don't you touch him. He's mine. Don't you touch her. She's with me. And Jesus does the very same thing. 
we repent and we make that journey home, when we cry out, when we turn back to Him, there's no, there's no judgment. There's only safety. There's only welcoming arms. There's only the Father's embrace. Don't touch Him. He's mine. Back away. Jesus literally laid down His life to save you. He literally put himself between you and the law so that you could come home. <laughs> come home today. And we, the ones that aren't that son, we as the town, we as the church, drop those stones the Father is protecting. Sometimes we're afraid of what's going to happen. We make our way to that altar or we, we go to, to try to repent. We're afraid of what people are going to say. It doesn't matter. Jesus is waiting with open arms. He's going to protect you. He's going to love you and he's going to welcome you back no matter how far you've been or where you find yourself. 21 to 24. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight. And I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, the boy says, I'm not worthy. I've messed up. But the father ignores it. And he says to his servants, bring forth the best robe. The best robe put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the, the fatted calf. We've been saving this for such a time as this. And kill it and let, let us eat and be married for this. My son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be married. He said, bring the best robe. Bring a ring. Bring some new shoes. Kill the calf. Let we're having a party. One more point. The son, he took his inheritance and he wasted it and he threw it away. But when he came home, the father still had more for him. Amen. Maybe you wasted your inheritance. Maybe you've taken and you've just thrown it away. Maybe you made some bad decisions. Maybe you've walked away and you've fallen into sin. Maybe you've lost everything. And we can be afraid to come back because it'll never be the same. 
God can't use me anymore. I'm too far gone. I'm too messed up. But when you come home, the Father has more for you. It's not over. Well, I blew it. God can never use me now. It's too late. That is a lie. The father didn't run out of blessings because the son wasted his inheritance. There was more for him when he came back. Jesus doesn't stop blessing because he walked away because we left. His blessings are still there. The blessings are in the father's house. Come home. Everything you need is here. Peace, joy, hope, love, forgiveness, mercy, grace. It's in him. It's in the Father's house. His blessing didn't end because you walked away. Come home. And I've, I've been that son. I felt like I wasted what God had given me, but I can tell you from firsthand experience, when you come home, Everything is still there, just like you left it. Verse 24, again. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. There was rejoicing. Again, no judgment. Rejoicing. Let's stay. pray two ways this morning. If you are that son, I beg you, come home. It starts with repentance. Come to ourselves saying, Jesus, forgive me. I want to come home. He's going to welcome you back like you never were gone. And if we are, if you're already in the house, that's good. Let's pray for them. So sick of not being able to lay hands and pray with people. I don't even care. Let's pray together today. There are prodigals, there are people that have walked away that need to come home, and we need to welcome them back. Like the Father, we need to pray for them. We need to drop those stones. As soon as they come back, all that's forgotten. Jesus is going to forgive them, then we need to let it go too. I'm just going to sing. We're going to pray. Let's just pray together with someone near you. Someone you let's just pray together today. And if there's there's some that aren't here, pray that they come too.